You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast. According to Tyler Kempney, a competitor for the USA ice climbing team, ice climbing is the most human form of climbing. In this episode, we discuss this philosophy of ice climbing, training for competing, risk and decision-making in the mountains in winter especially, and lessons learned from close calls and hardest ascents, like Tyler's FA of conditional love on Long's Peak. We dig into the ice climbing competitions coming up this year and why everyone should try ice climbing. And of course, we talk about Tyler's favorite shape of ice cube. Note that Tyler's audio is a little scratchy for the first few minutes, but it's worth pushing through as the audio quality gets infinitely better. This episode is presented by Upslope Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. Upslope has always had a passion for two things, living life outdoors and brewing the perfect beer or hard seltzer to cap off any adventure. Drawn to anything over the Rockies and under the sky, Upslope and Spike Snowmelt provide a handheld tribute to all who believe playing hard should end with a quality beer that goes down easy. Listen on to catch the beta on a special discount for AAC members on Upslope Six Packs. Okay, today on the podcast, we have Tyler Kempney, who uh, is an ice climber for Team USA. So Tyler, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background with climbing and how you ended up competing for Team USA? Yeah, thank you for having me today. Uh, my name is Tyler Kempney. I'm from upstate New York. I began ice climbing in 2013 and entered my first competition in Vermont at the Smuggler's Notch Ice Bash in 2015 i believe i think it was 2015 and then uh, i had so much fun with it moved out to colorado later in 2015 and just started mixed climbing and doing some fun ice around here and got introduced to some of the people on the u.s team and they were like hey man you should you should come try out with us or you should join and compete with us and uh that's pretty much how it started i got i got kind of this awesome integration welcome into the competition ice climbing scene and I've taken it from there that's awesome yeah I'm going to establish this from the beginning I don't ice climb I know very little about ice climbing and I think I'm in the position of a lot of other climbers and so I'm coming into this conversation from that perspective so I'm hopeful that you're willing to be um, patient with me as I learn about ice climbing and especially competition ice climbing, which is a lot different also, I'm sure, than uh, out being outside. And one of the questions I wanted to start with is kind of how do you fund all of this? And do you have other careers you're juggling? I think a lot of people kind of have this misperception that pro climbers or competition climbers are just like living the high life. And I think for most people, that's not true. So do you work in other, like, do you have another career as well? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I'm work I'm working all the time. I mean, even being a professional climber, it really you may as well say you're a professional at a hobby. It there's not much money involved in it whatsoever, but I mean, it's really about the passion and going for it, which is what makes it so awesome. But yeah, I mean, this past year I was hit really hard financially and ended up taking a new career path and now I'm welding so yeah picked up a new skill and uh, 
I'm hoping that this new skill lets me work anywhere in the world. And yeah, it's it's pretty good. So, but yeah, we're definitely not able to just live off of this. Oh my goodness. That would be, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. So is welding like pretty intense as a job? Like I, for some reason, I imagine it being like, kind of like, I don't know, very physical as well. Um, does that impact like your training at all? Oh, 100%. It's really hard to stay motivated to train after a day of work, mm-hmm. especially, you know, these past couple weeks we've had really cold temperatures so you know starting at like 15 degrees in the morning and then the high of being like 21 I think was what today was so yeah it's and you're working outside almost all the time but we actually we're getting a welding shop in the next couple weeks so I'm pretty excited about it we'll have a heat regulated shop (laughs) so that'll be really good yes yes right (laughs) yes the little things you know like heat bathrooms you know (laughs) the finer things in life Mm -hmm. but it's hard to do welding it yeah it's very physical on your body I mean one of the hardest things about it is you're concentrating so hard on what's happening in front of you that your mind is exhausted so Mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard to stay motivated just from the focus that's intended with or that's made in nature with welding you did mention <laughs> passion. Obviously, you have a clear passion for this sport. I know that you also, you know, you're not exclusively a, an ice climber. For you, what's the difference between rock and ice climbing? And not like obviously the technical, but in terms of like the feeling of it, like for you. The feeling of the difference between what one? Mm-hmm. Rock which, climbing, which... like oh, track climbing, climbing. Okay. sport climbing and ice climbing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm from upstate New York, like I said earlier. So you know, we pretty much have like many seasons of winter is what it feels like, or most of the year is winter. So I kind of learned all the types of climbing at once. Um, And I just learned it all as climbing. So to me, it was like, if it's raining, well, then that kind of blows. But (laughs) (laughs) any, any other precipitation usually involved a different type of climbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if it was cold out, then you went ice climbing. If it was warm out, then you went rock climbing. So for me, I, I think I just had a different perspective because I've got into everything at the same time. I mean, the same year I learned how to, the same year I started bouldering outside was the same year I started trad climbing outside was the same year I started ice and mixed leading. So mm-hmm. it was like, I literally learned it all at once. So I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the person that's good at differentiating between them all because they were all one Mm -hmm. for me, but it is hard. Uh, I try to communicate that with people. And I think it's a very difficult concept for people. I think, and I I really have to figure out how to put into words. I mean, rock climbing is this beautiful thing where your hands, you know, are touching the rock and you get to feel it and you have that connection with nature. But then climbing on tools is this other beautiful thing that it's kind of like, what demonstrates like humanity because we've used tools and that's what separates us from pretty much all other life forms so it's like this idea that we're creating this instrument to do exactly what we need it to do in the best way that we can do it and you know if you look at someone you see them ice climbing you're like they shouldn't be there why are they up on that frozen waterfall why why are they there Mm -hmm. and 
the only reason they can be there is because of what we've done in terms of technology and it's we're not supposed to be there and that's kind of what the beautiful thing about ice climbing is yeah we might be the only species that climbs ice so there's that wow yeah that's a that's an interesting distinction too because there's definitely like mountain goats and (laughs) monkeys and things that climb trees Mm -hmm. and rocks and but yeah nothing climbs ice that's crazy i have never thought of that that is such an existential, beautiful way to think about ice climbing. Uh, I think you did it. I think you put it in words. Awesome. Thanks. I was I was under a lot of pressure. So, <laughs> Okay. Kind of related to that then, for you, what percent of ice climbing is tactics and what is physical strength and what is technique? Because I think a lot of people in the, the strictly rock climbing world, um, think a lot about physical strength and technique, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have your systems down, it feels really simple, but there's a whole different set of systems and ice, like ice tools and then screws and all of that stuff. If you're climbing at water ice or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, run with that idea. What, like if you could break down ice climbing in terms of tactics versus physical strength versus technique and is technique the same thing as tactics? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd actually separate them. I think you did a good job with that because the way that you approach, the way that you approach a climb is going to be different than with rock. Historically, I mean, a great example is watching the um, Real Rock film on Yosemite. Real Rock did a full feature length film on Yosemite. And what it really described in the beginning was the earliest routes people were climbing were finding the weaknesses in a rock, right? And um, then, and that's essentially the cracks or the breaks or the flakes or the edges, you know, where wherever the rock was weakest and it broke. So there's a craft in climbing in that way. Then we came into sport climbing and bouldering where maybe it wasn't finding the weaknesses. Maybe it was climbing the proudest part of the face. Maybe it was um, going after it in the most difficult way. So there was a craft that's kind of being hindered by something like an illusion that's not showing the craft as much, but ice climbing is kind of the same way. If you are an experienced ice climber, you should be able to walk up to the ice and know where you're going to go before Mm -hmm. you even try it. It could be, you know, it could be a huge flow. It could be like a hundred feet wide, you know, thousands of feet tall. And you'll know just from the ground, oh, hey, I'm going to stay away from that section because it looks like there's ice that could fall above me. Oh, there's we're running water over here. Oh, there's too much snow on the ice over there. That means it's lower angle. It might be aerated. Like I might not get a good piece of protection over there. So, uh, oh, it's blue over here. Let's let's climb the blue. The blue tends to be the strongest ice. So um, there's a craft involved, uh, much like with rock climbing. And if you, yeah, so the tactic of just knowing how to approach an ice climb and knowing if it's safe or not is is really the biggest thing, or maybe not use the word safe, but if it's climbable or not. And, um, but the movement techniques are very similar to rock climbing. I would actually say that they're most similar to crack climbing in the way that you learn a set of skills and then you learn when to use those specific sets. 
or you learn how to get into a rhythm like you do crack climbing. Uh, some people will swim their hands, others shuffle. Um, mm -hmm. Some people step over their feet, some people shuffle their feet. There's different techniques in ice climbing, like climbing in a triangle versus climbing in a box. And yeah, it's just there's there different things involved in that nature. The integration of your hand onto the tool is different. Someone who has climbed as much mixed climbing and competition style climbing as I do, I'm going to utilize my tools in a different way than someone that just climbs water ice. And I might prefer a different tool than someone who just climbs water ice. And, um, and there's really no right answer. It's, I prefer this one <laughs> for, for the biggest part of it. So it's really cool in that way. It's really a craft in how you approach it. Now, in terms of physical strength with ice climbing, purely ice climbing, you do not need much physical strength. I think the beauty of it is it is all balance and craft. So you knowing where to put your feet, where to put your tools is really the difference between someone who's like, oh, you can just, they're like jugs. You can put them anywhere. And it's like, yeah, you could, but will it be efficient? Mm -hmm. And that's really what separates people is their ability to visualize what's in front of them and execute it. Because yeah, like they said, you could put your tools and feet anywhere you want. It's just who's going to be the person that does it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, so it's a craft in that way. Then if you get an ice away or away from ice climbing and more into the mixed climbing or competition climbing scene, now it becomes this crazy, amazing balance of physicality and uh, yeah, it's like physicality, balance, head space, all of it, all into one. Um, you get those things with rock climbing, you get those things with, ice climbing too but the difference is with mixed climbing is you've added so many more dimensions now you have tools in your hands and you're climbing on rock but you don't need to use your tools you can climb the rock with your hands but you have crampons on your feet and you're wearing gloves so now you have all these dimensions and it's like you know you could climb something and it could be pretty easy if you know how to climb it but if someone doesn't know that, oh, maybe that second pitch is almost all hand jamming, you don't actually use your tools, then they try to use their tools on that pitch. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. So the craft of mixed climbing is absolutely insane when it compares to other things. It's actually, I mean, really, I think mixed climbing and is like the best example of free aid. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really like it. It's, it's who can be the most clever in the moment. So that's what I really like about it. And yeah, and then competition climbing is it's totally on beast. I mean, they essentially took rock climbing holds, made them specific for ice tools. And then they were like, well, what do we do about feet? And they're like, well, if we're in the ice, we need our crampons on. So we need to be wearing sharp things. So we're not wearing rock shoes. So just kick right into the wall. We're not going to set feet. So it's this crazy thing. Competition ice climbing is like you just kick your feet right into the plywood and then you only focus on your hands. And um, pretty cool because someone who's much shorter than someone who's much taller, well, they can use different feet. Mm -hmm. And it's really about their own body awareness and knowing how they fit in their own box. And so I truly think that of all of the forms of climbing, 
competitive ice climbing is the most level playing field. And it is so much of a craft because, oh man, especially with Ure. Ure is a crazy one because you go from ice to dry to ice again, back to a plywood structure. And you essentially need to be using ice tools that can climb ice and rock and the really hard competitive holds. Mm -hmm. So someone might, you know, be like, oh, well, I need to use my ice tools. But in reality, maybe you should use competition tools, but then it sucks on the ice. So then it becomes this game of like, who's using the right equipment in the right position, but who can manipulate their equipment the best is kind of really what it comes down to. And yeah, competition climbing is crazy. It's super physical, super body tension. It's kind of like competitive sport climbing in a way that there's a time limit. Mm-hmm. but imagine like a sport route might have a 15 minute time limit whereas this has like a four minute time limit so you have to cover all that ground as fast as you can it's it's really fun it's <laughs> it's unique you essentially are trying to get the competitors to make mistakes because they're trying to move faster mm-hmm. it's a it's really kind of a chess game everyone sees it from the ground and you see who is bold enough to make the decisions that you wanted to. So it's really cool in that way. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think more rock climbers should ice climb. And I think more rock climbers, if they got into ice climbing and thought of it, as this is just fun and this is silly. And I don't have to think of it as this like quote unquote purity of climbing. If you get past all that and enjoy the craft, it's, quite amazing and I think anybody can do it which is really cool that is awesome okay so I have too many questions um where to start (laughs) yeah so I specifically wanted to ask about kind of like is climbing on real ice even that transferable to the competition version of this and then when you train are you thinking about like act like days outside or days in ure or something like that as cross training does it are, are they totally separate things? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting, it's kind of interesting as a scenario right now, because we are missing like a whole new wave of people. So we are now where rock climbing was in the 80s and 90s. People were, you know, trying to get outside and on their tools as much as possible. They might be doing just like, dead hangs on their tools with weight and trying to like essentially do pull-ups on their ice axes like that they trained they would get out as many days on ice as they could you know if you lived in colorado you'd in the front range you'd go to vale and train every now and then but like dry tool in the summer was still pretty unheard of um up there and yeah and and it was like we have an amazing group an amazing generation of climbers that have done crazy things with that style of training now um i'm part of the first wave of people that aren't training like that i'm i can train in the rock gym or learn how to train on my tools in a way that i almost don't need to climb outside at all to compete Mm -hmm. so but i'm also in this weird position that i also have so much ice climbing and mixed climbing experience behind me so I have this foundation that I can build on. And um, so you're seeing like this newer wave come in behind me that 
is so excited about competing, but they don't have the foundation of ice and mix climbing. Mm. And uh, so it's quite, it's quite interesting to see the, like in the world cups, it seems like the best ice and mix climbers are the, yeah, the top athletes tend to also be the boldest athletes outside. Yannick, he's the Swiss competitor that won the Denver, the Denver world cup back in 2019. He, came out here this past year to Yosemite and he on-sited Golden Gate ground up in Yosemite. So it's like, like we don't even hear about those things because that's, that's impressive. Yeah. And he's Swiss, you know, if he was American, that would have made so many, so many news stories here, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the boldness and the just straight, I I don't even know what to call it. It's just like, the top athletes in the ice climbing world cup are absolute savages. Luna has sent multiple five fifteens and he was who won world championship last year. And I think there's this big discretion between rock climbers and ice climbers, um, rock climbers thinking that ice climbers just, you know, like it's not as technical or difficult. So it, it can't be as hard. And to, to, a degree that is 100% correct but the best in the world are also the best in the world at both Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting and I think that's why I really like the competitive ice climbing community it's you know you could climb anything with them it's it's amazing it's it's really cool watching what they can all do but yeah it's I don't I don't even know how to say it's the boldness of the world cup competitors is kind of overshadowed by this idea of how many of the newer world cup competitors coming in don't climb outside all too often Mm -hmm. so i think we're literally just seeing what we saw with rock climbing back in the 80s and 90s yeah which is crazy yeah that's definitely interesting also that 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 shift took so long maybe i don't don't know because like obviously ice climbing has been around pretty much just as long, right? I mean, evolved into yeah. different forms. The ice axes looked way less technical back in the day, but <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's interesting that it is happening now. It's just like 20, 30 years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's slow. <laughs> On a more logistical note, can you tell me about the comp season you're about to go into? Cause it's going to start in January, correct? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The comp season starts in January at least the world cup competition season starts in January so the first world cup will be in Chongsong South Korea and that'll be the 13th 14th and 15th of January and the following weekend there are two huge competitions that's actually causing quite the fun little logistical plan but the following weekend there's a competition in Champagny France and is the Ure Ice Festival. So it's like you could either go straight from Korea to France or come back and compete in the biggest ice festival in the world. So it's like this, it's like this big thing and the competitors are kind of having a hard time with it, especially US competitors. Ure means so much to us. And then the following weekend is Switzerland. So the World Cup season is only three weeks long this year. It goes south korea france then switzerland but ure is right between them 
So it's it's quite an interesting quite an interesting thing we have. So we're gonna have to divide and conquer, I think, <laughs> on who goes to what. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the that's the season. There are more competitions too, but those are the four main ones and they're on three consecutive weekends. Do you do you personally also go to the like the ice fest? Um just kind of the, the hangout situations, um, or not not as much anymore? I used to a lot. Then I haven't made to in years past because I opened the ice coop, the mm-hmm. the dry tooling gym in Boulder. And that has been a passion of love and I just essentially haven't had time for myself. So I was that I was, you know, I was stuck. It was amazing. I was coaching a lot of people, um, running events, but yeah, it was hasn't allowed me to participate as much in the bigger community. But I'm actually no longer owning the ice scoop anymore. Now it's owned by collective of or a small group and it's called the Mountain Access Collective. And yeah, it's a nonprofit now, which is really cool. So I sat on the board for it, but I no longer, and it's really cool. It's allowed me to be free (laughs) so I can still help and help grow the ice coop and still give to the community. But now I can go enjoy those things. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to go to some of the ice festivals. You know, you hear about the ones like, uh, you know, the one in the UP, Michigan sounds absolutely amazing. Um, Mount Washington Valley up in New Hampshire sounds amazing. Valdez in Alaska sounds amazing. I mean, I just want to go to all of them now. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) now people will start seeing me at them, (laughs) which would be really fun. Okay. So yeah, tell us a little bit. I think you started talking about it, but what does your training for the comp season look like and how long does that, is it year round training? Do you take breaks? Um, Are you mostly at the ice coop? working on dry tooling techniques, that sort of thing? Yeah, this is a good question. This has been an ever-changing answer. I began training for this in 2018. And when I started training, yeah, I, I had this very, what I would now consider primitive understanding of what I could do. Um, it was mostly learning how to figure four. It was hanging from tools, dead hanging, um, and essentially going to my friend's walls, like their home walls and putting up holds and dry tooling on them. That was, that was pretty much it. Oh, and huge shout out to the spot. They let me actually set holds on their tread wall in the Boulder facility Nice that, that year. And, uh, so I was running like a weekly clinic there and training on the tread wall. And that was actually pretty good. So Shout out to those guys for doing that. But that's pretty much what my training looked like. It was like heavy with rings workouts and calisthenics, but then really heavy on, you know, indoor rock climbing and getting out to the crag as much as I could on weekends just to get more time on tools. Now my training looks entirely different. My training looks like now I'm doing a lot of hit workouts, a lot of power endurance. I'm going to rock gyms, not with the intention of training on tools whatsoever. It's now it's just for power endurance. It's heavy bouldery, bouldering and sport climbing specific training, but then I'm learning how to apply it to my tools, which is different. And then I'll train you know, on my tools once or twice a week and really push it on that mentality. And like, 
now it's way more mental training when I'm on my tools. I'm trying to do the best I can when I'm on them with the limited time I have. So it's like the physicality is coming from rock climbing and then the craft is coming from a really focused session or two a week. So it's very different now. It's It just seems so weird. It seems like I'm trying way less hard, but I'm getting way better results and I don't really know what it is. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, if it's more targeted and more applicable, that's what everyone says about training. And then you just don't realize it until you actually do it. <laughs> they're, they're right. <laughs> they're right. Well, that's awesome that you're seeing results from that. Okay. I'm interested in maybe taking a pivot and talking about kind of like, are you making goals for yourself, pushing yourself outside, either in like the mixed realm, water, ice, anything like that? And what is that? Like, what do you, what type of goals are you making if you are doing that type of thing? Yeah, I definitely have goals outside. Most of them right now are actually rock climbing. Uh, I haven't really rock climbed in the past couple of years. And now it's like, Hey, I need to, I need to focus on this again and get my brain off of climbing on tools a little bit more, but the on tools, I don't really have that many goals and objectives outside. I think I'm going to come at it from a different perspective and say, I train so hard for such a specific thing on tools that whenever I go outside, I want to just relax. Mm -hmm. So if I go climbing on tools outside, it's that those are my days for me. Those are my days to swing into some ice, you know, climb some beautiful lines. Um, not, I don't really care about the grade. I'll just kind of go to any crag and just kind of like pick the most beautiful line there and, and climb it. And, um, doesn't matter how hard it is. I'll just, it's cool if it's the hardest line there, then I get to, then I get to try hard that day. But yeah, I just, I just want to climb the beautiful things right now. So th those are my only goals at the moment is just climb anything that's absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's something that's been absolutely beautiful in the last year that you've climbed? Oh man, this is a bad question. In the past year, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard. I think this past year I was going through the transfer of ownership of the ice coop and was in a was in a very depressed position. And um so I didn't actually climb anything this past year. I competed and I ended up having the best season of my life. <laughs> so That's so amazing. that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of climbing outside. I think, man, what was the, what was the best thing I might've climbed? I don't, I don't even know anymore. That's really sad. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to think about it, but yeah, I mean, I've climbed almost, I've climbed almost nothing this past year. It's, like it's ice wise been, or, or climbing at no, rock anything. as well? Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything. So mm -hmm. I've gone bouldering a few times, climbed some really beautiful lines in that way, but that's just not the same as climbing, you know, something like the smear of fear or, you know, some big, beautiful ice line. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's quite, it's quite interesting to think about it, actually. But I think that's also why, why I'm in and I am in now. Now I'm just in, I just need to, when I go outside and I don't really have goals, I just want to climb whatever the best thing is in front of me. Well, that's definitely a good perspective to have. I think more people need to be thinking like that. 
okay maybe maybe because you brought up smear of fear but um and this is totally okay <laughs> if that's not your answer but my next question is so what so far in your career are you most proud of it could be in your competition career climbing career in general and you know it doesn't have to be about a grade it could be yeah that one time you were scared shitless and you got through it sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think my most proud climb is conditional love up in Rocky Mountain National Park and I climbed that back in 2018 and uh yeah that was the year that I also started my ice climbing world cup career but that was like the bass or the that was the last big thing that I really done for myself um that was also right before the ice coop opened mm -hmm. so yeah I think my my mentality was a little different at the time. Um, I was able to climb for myself more. A really rare line came in on Long's Peak that's never formed before and didn't has never seen an ascent. And people have been waiting for ever to for that thing to come in. And um, my buddy Wes Fowler and I we went up there to actually not even climb that. We were just up there to climb as many of the ice routes as we could, and that was in. And you know we took it. We we climbed it that day and that climb, I just, I just can't get over how beautiful it was. It's, it's a harder climb in terms of the maybe like fear or risk management, but to people that are really, man, I think people that are good on their tools and people that are well seasoned on their tools, that's, it's a totally attainable climb. It's WI five plus, but it's RX rated. Mm. So it's like this idea that you know you have to be a competent ice climber, but it's well in people's wheelhouse if they can. So that's what's kind of cool about it. And it's two pitches, two totally different style pitches. The second pitch is the money pitch. It's it's maybe like I climbed it three times that year, and I think the start of it was like a half inch thick for the first like 40 feet and then you know it it gradually got thicker but it, it didn't even get its first full length screw until you were at least 60 feet above the anchor so oh my god it, it was just like this <laughs> yeah i don't know i i really like ice climbing in the sense of yeah uh <laughs> i have a different view of ice climbing than other people i think i have the mantra of you have to be able to climb down what you can climb up so um, I've backed off of things that were crazy before. Yeah, I think um, the beautiful thing about conditional love was it's it was a first ascent. It was with a really good friend. Came off of a, the story behind it's really cool because I went up there with someone else the year before and we went for it, but we got there too late in the day or a day late. Water was running behind it. When everything came together, it fell down. And we we got out of the way within like maybe with only two minutes to spare before the whole thing came crashing down. Oh, so, geez. yeah. So it's like this idea that, you know, the first year, maybe it was for glory. It was to go put your name on the wall. It was to like do something a little bit more selfish. And then the second year it was like, we were just in the right place at the right time. And, uh, you know, it didn't fall down on us. <laughs> so we called it conditional love. Um, but we actually made a little film about it and Red Bull bought it. So that was really cool too. So we can share the story with, with our friends and family that don't really know what we do. So I think it's like kind of the gift that keeps on giving. I can, if I'm like, oh, I haven't ice climbed in a while, I could 
go watch that and be like, oh, I remember what that feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but That's so awesome. yeah, I think conditional love uh, on the Lower East Face of Longs is the best ice climb I've ever done. Not because I put it up, but it's absolutely beautiful and stunning. The movement and the climbing is absolutely amazing. Um, the positioning is amazing. Everything about it. There's almost nothing bad about it, except it's not, it doesn't come in all the time. So that's the hardest thing. But I would say conditional love is the most amazing thing I've ever climbed. Cool. So that's a, that's a really cool story. And I'm glad you shared it. Something you said about sharing the video made me wonder, do you, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but I'm interested in like, (laughs) have you noticed, like, I mean, I feel like every climber has family members who are like, I don't get it. You're so like what you do is so dangerous. Like, why do you like this so much? And I'm intrigued whether there's an even more like vehement reaction to ice climbing. <laughs> and if you would oh be able gosh. to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been, it's quite interesting. Like I'm going to go home for Thanksgiving this next week. And, you know, I have to answer the same questions every time I at a family event. Yeah. I think that video, what it did was it, uh, you know, to me, the climb wasn't as crazy as the video made it sound. And maybe it is that crazy, but I don't know. But at the same time, like it dramatizes it for the video. And um, yeah, I shared that with my family and they're like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? And it was really funny, but it's, it's so hard to explain. I think one difference between rock climbing and ice climbing though, is everyone can perceive what it feels like, what it must feel like to hold on to an ice axe because it's a handle, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone's climbed monkey bars at some point in their life pretty much you know like pretty much everybody's like at least held their body weight off of something that could resemble an ice tool or or tried to or pulled onto something like a wheelbarrow i don't know like you have a concept of what it must feel like to hold on to an ice tool so i don't think it's as crazy for people to relate to what it must feel like to be in the position Mm -hmm. so and i think it is a little bit different with rock climbing with rock climbing you're like is it hard? I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, with ice climbing, it's, it's different. It's, I think people can conceptualize it just so much easier Mm -hmm. in a weird way. It's like this, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's beautiful. You're not supposed to be there and you're there. Yeah. I think is really what it is. As an American Alpine Club partner, Upslope Brewing Company is proud to offer AAC members 25% off of six packs sold out of either of their two Boulder tap routes. All you have to do is log in to your member profile on our website or show Upslope your printed off member ID to redeem this special deal. Hop on this discount, no pun intended. I think I've started to get a sense of maybe where you're at in this question, but I'd love for you to elaborate. In your opinion, um, does ice climbing not get enough credit or like enough attention in the climbing world? And then why do you think that is, if if so? Yeah, ice climbing is kind of in a weird spot. I think ice climbing in its own gets enough support and recognition in terms of the community that's in it really respects it where rock climbing is at this really strange point that you almost have 
so many climbers from so many backgrounds, maybe you have a different respect for it in that way. The climbing community is very, the ice climbing community is very grateful for everything that's going on for them. The rock climbing community, you know, you still see some people like leaving trash at the crags and things of that nature. So it's like this. So on one hand, I think ice climbing has grown at a rate that is sustainable where rock climbing maybe, maybe hasn't, uh, maybe the infrastructure hasn't been there for it. Now, in terms of media, I definitely think ice climbing does not get enough credit. It's very interesting to watch, you know, the rock and ice logo, the ice, the ice font gets smaller and smaller every year. And now, and it was like, you know, it used to say it, they were bold and standing side by side with one another. And now it says rock. And then in the tiniest words underneath, it says, and ice, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's pretty funny to see that happen. But I think ice climbing should get more credit, mostly from the perspective of aesthetics and mostly from the perspective of maybe climate awareness. Some of the first people that are going to notice the difference of climate change are people that are out in winter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll talk about this with within the community of like areas where like, wow, it's just, you know, we used to be able to count on this wall to come in every first week of October. And now it's not coming in till late November. And if it doesn't come in by late November, it's too cold. And then it won't be coming back until spring. So, um, so we're like watching these things. And uh, every year you have photos of all the, of all the climbs. So you actually have a really good a really good history of what the climate is in that way. So it's, it's kind of weird to see. I think, I think ice climbing is really important in terms of the anthropological, anthropological perspective that I gave earlier. It's like, we're the only species that's doing it. And it's such a craft. It's so unique the pictures are amazing the experience is amazing i don't think it gets enough justice for what it is i think people are always maybe it's because there's not much in terms of like what the next hardest thing is right like there's there isn't the growth the steady growth like rock climbing has had and maybe that's why it doesn't get the attention but in terms of beauty in terms of positioning in terms of the actual craft of what it is, I think it definitely deserves more credit. So it's like, yeah, we don't need, we don't need more or less ice climbers. We just need maybe more people to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I think is really what it is. (laughs) I'd love everyone to ice climb. (laughs) I personally would. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting sport. Mm-hmm. I I didn't really have a place for this question, but I feel like maybe it fits here. Um, I think there's kind of an ongoing conversation about climbing in general. And I think when people talk about this, they mean rock climbing as like a healing experience or like connecting yourself with your body. Do you feel like ice climbing does that same thing or is it different somehow? Or does it depend on the oh, person? Definitely. Right? <laughs> okay. Oh, definitely. I mean... Like ice climbing is really unique in that sense. You know, we all, we all throw the word around moving meditation or the term moving meditation. That's really what people are trying to describe rock climbing as. Um, ice climbing is the same way. Ice climbing is just different in the way that 
you know, you could be a fair weather ice climber, which I have been in the past few years. <laughs> you know, I've had enough stress in other areas of my life that I climb when it's nice out. But, you know, like I really love ice climbing for the idea that many of the things I've pursued, I've pursued in the harshest conditions. Mm. like um climbing routes when there are like 60 and 70 mile an hour winds like it might be raining that day and you're like why are we going out and but we go out it's this i think the ice climbing what's so brilliant about it is it's a pursuit and you don't need the fair weather like you do with rock climbing mm -hmm. so and it's this idea that what i love about rocky mountain national park being in my backyard is i can go out and climb in any condition and just go climb some alpine route with my tools and whether there's ice on it or not you know it's it's just this beautiful experience that i might be the only one in the park that day i mean other than my partner but mm -hmm. you know just the two of us are there that day because who else would want to go out when it's like 60 mile an hour winds and so cold so it's like this really unique experience in that sense that you don't have to be there, but yet you put yourself there and everything may be going against you, not just like the difficulty of the climb in front of you, but all the conditions as well. And, you know, you have to be smart. You have to layer properly. You have to know how many calories you need to intake. You need to know how to manage risk. I don't know. It's like this craft of it's this craft of being in a position where the conditions almost don't matter at all. So it's like really interesting because, uh, and that, I think that's the headspace you have to get into. You have to get in the headspace of, I just have to execute and the conditions don't matter. Whereas I haven't really been in many other scenarios that are in that way. But yeah, it's like this crazy positioning too of like, you know, as you're ice climbing, you're reading the ice as you go and you're like, oh, this ice is strong. It's stronger here. And then you might swing to another spot and it might dinner plate and fracture all around. And you're like, oh, it's it's not strong right there. And you have to be in this place mentally and spiritually that you are able to stay calm and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to climb over here now and I'm going to it's yeah it's a moving meditation in a different way it's like anticipate react and then make a decision anticipate react make a decision is like kind of like the the process and yeah it's this meditation that you're out climbing and this like spirituality that you are probably one of the only living beings in that position because it's winter you know, you don't even have mountain goats, you don't have pikas, you don't have marmots anywhere around you. It's just you and your partner. Mm -hmm. So it's like this really unique positioning to be in to experience the same things that you do rock climbing, just just in a different way. Oh, man, I was, I told myself I wasn't going to be convinced to try ice climbing. <laughs> but you're making it sound really great. <laughs> Besides oh, it's being cold. awesome. <laughs> yeah i would say rocky what i love about rocky mountain national park is i can romanticize it because i love that style of climbing mm -hmm. but it doesn't have it doesn't have the quality and um the quality of ice 
that people assume it does. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I love about it is no matter what I'm going to climb, I just have to assume the ice may not be in. Mm-hmm. And so you're, I'm going to climb it in whatever condition it is usually. And uh, I mean, unless I'm going to knock it down, if I'm going to knock it down, then I'm not going to climb it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's this idea that you're just in for the day you've committed and that's what it is. And, um, and if you love that type of thing, then, oh man, like it's, it's a very like spiritual romantic style feeling for me of like, this is what's in front of me and I'm going to climb it in whatever style that it was given to me that day. And if you're okay with that, you will have an amazing time. <laughs> but if you definitely went for like the five-star day, and it's probably not there, then, you know, you might have a different experience, but I love the adversity that it gives. Okay. Actually, great transition. Uh, Have you had any close calls or accidents, you know, from even just training for competitions or out outside ice climbing or alpine climbing? Yeah, I have. Me personally, like I've never seen an avalanche or been seen an avalanche or been near an avalanche, but I've lost a lot of friends to them. And so my personal rule is to stay away from avi danger areas. And like that might be a shocker for people to hear because most of the best ice climbing in Colorado is literally an avi shoot. So there, there are just many climbs I may never do. I've gone down to like the Ure Telluride area many times to climb some mega classic things. And by the time I get down there, you know, the Avi Danger it has it in the black. And you're like, well, I'm not going to climb it. Like it's, it's going to fall down on me. So it's, I, I've kind of like, I pick my battles. You know, if I'm going to be taking a risk, then I'll usually make sure it's a calculated risk. Like like what I was talking about earlier with conditional love, people consider that a huge risk with the gear placement and things. But if we really went down and bro- broke it down, I could tell people very calmly why I felt okay to be in that position. I think one reason why I haven't had so many close calls is because I am very conservative with how I view risk and risk management, but it might also put me in positions that people are like, how on earth can you even say that you have risk management because you climbed that thing? And you're like, well, it's, you have to, you know, you have to learn how to walk before you can run. You, you know, you don't just get on a downhill mountain bike and go 50 through the woods right off the bat. You usually start trying to do circles in a lawn or on a driveway. So it's like my my level of understanding is probably a little bit different in years, but I think I'm being way more risk adverse and aware than what most climbers are. Now, in terms of close counters, conditional love was the closest one that I've had that people have heard about. When I went up there, I guess if we want to go back more into the story, went up there and when we got to the base of it, it was really it's really thin climb. It's like, you know, just it's called verglass. It's so thin that if you tap it with your tool, it might just shatter and fall right off the wall. You know, it's like, or if it's connected to the wall, it might only be like, you know, half an inch thick, but it's really strong. Mm-hmm. 
So your pick is barely in it and you can see pretty much your whole pick and it's kind of freaking you out, but it's strong. In this scenario, you could see the water was running behind it and it was about half an inch or an inch thick. And if there's water running behind it, then you know it's not bonded to the rock. Mm-hmm. And partner I went with was very adamant that we were going to climb it that day. And and I did not share the same, <laughs> same uh, goals once I saw the climb. And uh, I was trying to advise him not to, but he was like, come on, man, like, let's do it. Let's climb it. Uh, we ended up having this big conversation about it. And then it basically came down to, I will belay you under one condition. And he was like, okay, what's the condition? And I was like, if I ever feel unsafe and ask you to come down, I want you to come down. He was like, okay, that means lowering off a piece. And I was like, yep. And so he climbs up, you know, the first like 20 feet play piece. I was like, how's that piece? He's like, it's good. It's good. I was like, sweet. Uh, come down. (laughs) (laughs) So he came down so mad. And then I just started moving my stuff as fast as I could out of the way. And within two minutes, the whole, you know, thousands of pounds of ice came crashing down right where we were standing. Well, and it wasn't even that climb. It was actually a climb next to us that fell in the spot that we were standing. So Mm -hmm. it's like, either way, it was like we were standing in a really bad position. And that was only a couple minutes of time that passed between it. Um, That was a huge close call. Yeah. Um, My second close, my, yeah, is, is crazy. My, my closest call which I haven't actually talked about much is crazy. Like, I don't even know. Sorry. My, my wife is in the room and uh, she's never heard this story before. So let's, let's see how it goes. <laughs> my closest call was on a, uh, on a climb in New York called power play up in the Adirondacks. And it's a classic. I was climbing it in not ideal conditions. Um, they were not ideal because it was negative 20. And it was just so cold. I was climbing with a friend that's, you know, he just started ice climbing. And at this point, I maybe I wasn't climbing professionally. Maybe I probably wasn't even sponsored yet. I was just going to have fun. I might have actually just climbed conditional love. It was probably right after that same time. And uh, we were roping up to climb this classic. And instead of doing the intro first pitch that kind of like goes up these little ramps we decided we were going to climb the wi5 plus pillar that rarely ever comes in so we climbed this beautiful pillar and it just sounded like so hollow because it was so cold um just the sounds of it were like pretty crazy but you could see it was bonded to the wall and i was very confident in the ice i was testing it the whole way up so it wasn't like i was putting myself in a crazy position but I could see it being really scary for people if you're not ready for it. Then the second pitch is another pillar. And this is like the classic exit to power play. And I started climbing it and, you know, it's negative 20. I climbed up like 15 feet above the anchor and tried to put in a screw and the ice was so cold. It wouldn't take a screw and it just would not take it. Like I started you know, chipping away around the ice, like trying to create like a pilot hole and then try to place the screw in. The screws would not go in the ice. The And if they went in, they would just like pull straight out. It was like a crazy experience. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to climb a little higher. 
and the same thing happened. I was like, oh crap, I'm going to climb a little higher. Now I'm like 45 or 50 feet above the anchor. And that happens to also be the top of the next pitch. And so I'm at the top of the pitch. It's a shorter pitch, but there's no, there's no screws in between me and my climbing partner. And my tools are in the top of the ice and there's a tree right next to me. And I was just like, oh, tree, sweet. And I like took my tool out of the ice, hooked the, went to hook the tree. My other tool sheared out of the ice because it was just so cold and brittle that it it shattered. And I literally just like caught the tree with my tool and like a crazy, like Sylvester Stallone style, like one arm hang like flying off the wall like caught a tree like hanging there like oh my god like that was so close to taking like a hundred foot fall that i don't even know like i would have hit something like it's not like open space under me like it would have been terrible it would have been it would have been awful like but i hooked the tree and it was like the craziest timing. Like w- there couldn't have been a second difference. And that was the closest call I've ever had. And yeah, it was, it was insane, but, but it worked. It did. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad yeah. you were able to hook the tree. Yeah. That is so crazy. And You know, I've never even told my climbing partner that story. I just started sharing that story to people like last year and I probably only shared it like three or four times. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I just never told anyone. I just was like, that was like something I got away with is what I felt like. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to tell people that I've gotten away with something. I like to tell people I was calculated. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really weird, vulnerable story of like, if that tree wasn't there, what would have happened? Like, Maybe I would have done something different with my tools and not put myself in that position, but like, whoa, like I thought I was calculated yeah, and it wasn't. So yeah, it was insane, but that was my closest call. <laughs> that's a crazy story. Um, thank you for sharing and, and thanks for the vulnerability. I think that's really interesting yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Three more questions. Do you <laughs> <All> think, <laughs> do you think your relationship with climbing in general uh ice climbing maybe specifically changed once you started competing yeah i i really do so i don't know if it actually changed when i started competing or if a lot of events happened at the same time because at that same time was when i lost a couple friends due to avalanches and a couple other people that meant a lot to me at the time, but maybe I didn't know them. And a couple other people I looked up to, like Mark Andre passed away that same year. Yuli Steck passed away. The story of Hayden Kennedy, you know, like there are so many heartbreaking stories in that same year. And um, yeah, I just talked to my wife and I was like, hey, like I love pushing myself and climbing. And I'm starting to feel like that could be my trajectory if I keep doing it at this pace. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the only the only time I feel like I'm pushing myself like I do in the mountains in a way that I'm not immediately putting myself at risk of death is competing. And so, yeah, I think 
when I started competing, it was also, it was also like this crazy other point in my life. So it was like this point of realization that I'm seeing success in what I'm doing outside, but will that success lead to life? And so that was kind of the, the turning point in that way. And so I actually found a home in competing and I also started coaching that year. And because I started coaching, I was able to help other people achieve their goals and listen to their stories about them climbing outside for the first time and share this idea that no matter what you climb outside, I'm going to be very proud of you and happy that you, you and I now share this experience together. Right. And, uh, so I think my mentality for outdoor has entirely changed in that way. I think um, it's hard for me to have goals outside now. I think I just climb whatever's in front of me and have the most fun I can where and inside is what matters or not inside, but competition is where I cut my teeth and really try hard. So it's, it's a little bit different, but it's made me enjoy climbing in a different way entirely. And I really like it. And I love pursuing the lines that, you know, you flip through a guidebook and you're like, oh, I don't care how hard it is. That's the one I have to climb. <laughs> that's, and that that's become the new focus in terms of climbing. So I think it's actually a healthier view of climbing. Train as hard as you can, but when you're outside, enjoy it as hard as well as you can. As hard as you can. Yeah, I think you enjoy it as well as you can. <laughs> yeah. So that that's become my new perspective in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely know of a lot of people who, when they've lost partners or even just been witness to an accident that like changed the way they were thinking about stuff quite a bit. So that that's really interesting to hear from you too. Yeah. And Marcus, uh, I shared a lot with Marcus Garcia and, um, as you, as you may know, he's been doing amazing talks on grief and traveling the country and doing, uh, he's, he's really been there for a lot of people and he's, he's experienced so much healing and he's, ex you know, experienced so much healing in other people just from his stories. And, um, I really think, yeah, it's like, man, if you, if you really want to be moved, listen to something from, from Marcus after this. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing. The it changes you and even if you don't feel like it's changed you, you'll notice it later on. I second that recommendation. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um okay, any advice for budding ice climbers or dry toolers or mixed climbers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. If you if you want to get into the sport, I really have to say do it with a smile and understand the idea that it's all silly like as serious as you want to take it it's still silly ice climbing is like this beautiful thing like i've said and it's this experience that's like only human and it's man i i really just want everyone to feel what i felt through it but really the biggest thing is and that's the hardest thing is finding a mentor i would never be where i am today without the mentors that I've had. And I had I had the total privilege of having multiple mentors all at the same time. 
And if one partner wasn't able to go out with me, the other one was. And we, I learned from so many different perspectives at once. Yeah, it was like, it began with Todd Paris and Adam Catalano and Steve Prettyman and G, Andy Gilpin. Uh, yeah, they, they all taught me how to ice climb. And uh, I got to say Mark Murawski, he, he did as well. And it was really cool. And I learned from each one of them and they all had different perspectives, no matter how, where they wanted to take it. But then, then came in my friend, Michael Williams, uh, he moved to New York and he moved from Canmore. And so he had a completely different perspective on ice climbing. And he came from, you know, the Mecca of ice climbing. And he, as a mentor, really took me under his wing and Oh, man, it, it's been an amazing ride seeing seeing what he's taught me and the thing we've done together. They're still the highlights of my career. And yeah, it's like having a mentor is so important and respecting other people. And like people may say it's really hard to find a mentor, but I don't think it's as hard as finding a mentor if you are respectful. <laughs> it's it's really hard to say that because there are respectful people, but get you totally get out what you put in and if you can find people and you can encourage them and you can be with them even if it's for a day to belay them and if you can put the work in to show that you respect them and who they are then you'll get that in return and the mentorship is so important in my opinion and that's really what we can do to you know save from accidents you know you don't want to be in the alpine club's accident journal <laughs> nope um, <laughs> the it's what we can do to grow a more positive community as well there's no shame in paying for a guide and in fact i recommend it if you want to get an ice and mix climbing and you happen to be anywhere near your a you better be hitting up base camp your a you gotta hit up logan i mean what an amazing person and he's gonna take you out for such a great day but i mean like the sandal mountain guides you go right down through and like yeah hit up a hit up a guide i know it sounds like a lot of money but what you're going to get out of it is amazing and especially if you treat the guide like they're a mentor instead of treating them like this you know like this person that's going to give you the best day of your life if you treat them with respect you'll get way more out of it so yeah if you if it's mix climbing i mean that's that's the way to do it you've got to you've got to find a mentor even if it's reaching out to people like myself on instagram reaching out to people like you know marcus or cat or you know anyone from the ice coop if you reach out to the ice coop you'll get a lot of people too but reach out and be friendly be kind you'll get a lot out of it that way but i think that's the best way of best way of doing it don't try, don't try to get anything yet. Try to give first. Hmm. And that's, that's where you'll find the most success in defining out if the sport is right for you. Thanks. That's an awesome tip. Okay. Now the toughest question this is going to be so hard. Right. What's your favorite shape of ice cube? Like oh my goodness. <laughs> my favorite. Oh my, I actually wrote this down. Let me, <laughs> let me get my phone. Yes. No, this is, this is important. 
we can thank my friend Heath at Isomatic. Okay. He literally works for an ice machine company for this. <laughs> and it's funny. It's dude, Heath is the man. If you need to know about ice machines, you need to call up Isomatic and be like, I need to talk to Heath because <laughs> he is the man. Oh uh, man, I just I wrote it down. Oh, he's gonna be so disappointed in me. This is like I a specific shape that Isomatic this makes. Is, yeah, this is <laughs> this is it's the shape and what it's called. Okay. Oh man. No, I'm not finding it. It's buried. It's buried. But maybe it's called granular or gravel. Gravel ice? Maybe called gravel ice. But anyways, it's the little ones that just look like little balls. Those are my favorite. They're like it's... they're like the size of a paintball, I think. Okay. It might even feel hollow on the inside. Those and there's are my just favorite like, ones. And there's just like a ton of them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Right. We're talking about we are talking about ice cubes like in a cup of like for a glass, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. I'm not crazy. You know, <laughs> that is so amazing that you already had an answer to my silly, silly question. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Oh man, you got you all got to contact Heath from Isomatic. Mm-hmm. Maybe American Alpine Club uh, bar day or something like that. <laughs> So you have yes. to make the best mixed drinks with the best shapes of ice, you know, Perfect. the most Alpine club style we can get in with. <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the gravel style, those are my favorite. Okay, perfect. Okay, well, thank you so much, Tyler, <laughs> for talking to me today and good luck on your comp season, this upcoming comp yeah. season. Thank you so much. Make sure you follow all of us and uh, find us on the American Alpine Club site cheer us on we'll be very excited if you do (laughs) but we're gonna be going for gold this year everybody so follow us hell yeah well well, let's make it happen (laughs) yeah and thank you all for your support preemptively (laughs) today's show was hosted by me hannah provo and produced by sierra mcgivney and shane johnson If you want to support the USA Ice Climbing Team, you can find out who is competing and how to watch their competitions at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash UIAA dash federation.